Welcome to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. My name is Steve Wopolinik. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and one of the founders of the Promethean Project. Our guests are people who have broke the chains of their limitations and found the strength of their potential. We offer their stories as inspiration and as guidance to help others navigate their quest to find their flame. Episode two is done. It's produced. Uh, the guest today is Marcus Opolinik, my brother and co-founder of the Promethean Project. Um, we start the episode really talking about some of his background, and then we just kind of throw everything out the window and just get in a really deep conversation about mental health, physical health, martial arts, and your nervous system and how different things affect different Uh, reactions and different emotions and really just spend some time talking to each other about how to make changes how to make a change and how how to flip things um for mental health and for physical health it's it's a really interesting conversation we really enjoyed spending time together having a couple coffees just really getting to pontificate together um, and make connections that you know, maybe we didn't think of before because we do have different backgrounds, but it was a lot of fun just uh, using each other as a sounding board. Uh, we hope that you really enjoyed the episode too. A lot of heart and soul went into it. We go, we, we talk a lot about a bunch of different stuff, including uh, uh, energetic tree that a lot of people in Boston dance around and actually how Marcus started his journey in, in martial arts around that same tree. And we go from there just all over the place. So definitely a lot of stuff going on. Definitely want to continue the conversation. And uh, hopefully you guys have some good feedback. So uh, buckle up and enjoy the ride. Episode 2 starts now. In a world where humanity's potential is imprisoned and locked away, our only hope is to break the chains and find our flame. That's right, I'm the deuce. <laughs> uh, today we have my brother Marcus Opolinik on the podcast, and uh, we're just going to get to know him a little bit better and, and hear his story. I already introduced your name, but why don't you give us a little bit of history of... Uh... So, um... I don't know. I got into um, I got into martial arts when I was around twenty. Um, I was just having a lot of signs coming towards me that I should learn Tai Chi, um, and I thought, "What is this Tai Chi thing?" And then I had a guy in one of my classes who was an acupuncturist, uh, one of my college classes who's an acupuncturist. He told me the guy to go see, went to see this uh, David Yucker, um, who teaches a Hua Yu Tai Chi form. Um, which is actually um, the Oho Bafa, not a, not actually a Tai Chi form, but that was my first start, and then I progressed on there. A couple different teachers, till I find found my teacher now, Lo De Show. Um, I was always into things that were health conscious, um, but what I you know I kind of got waylaid. I was in in high school. So before that happened in high school, I um, hanging out with some some of my friends. We weren't uh, weren't bad people, but you know we we uh, did some extra extracurricular activities and we got into some stuff and uh, and it was they're good people and actually I wouldn't change a thing about it just because I got a different perspective on society and that kind of led me to see you know I wanted to be in it for the long haul. I saw these. You know, people who were retired and they were getting into these health arts. And I was like, what happens if I just get into the health arts now? What would that be like? So I, like I said, I learned the the Tai Chi uh, form. I had a couple different Tai Chi teachers. Um, went to, actually I was, I was looking for a new Tai Chi teacher when I was in Boston. I got lost and I found this place called Brooklyn, Brookline Tai Chi. Um, 
went in there and actually the the style of form there really helped me focus and kind of get my get my act together um, there I met a guy named Buddy Tripp who introduced me to a couple different martial art teachers um, uh, the most prominent was Lo Desho, who I studied in Taiwan with for six years, six plus years, um, over there, and then came back here to teach, and then we kind of got this Promethean Project thing going. Hey, so this is a good, uh, a quick summation of, I know, 20 years of martial arts experience. I remember, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, I remember your first introduction to, I think you told me this one time. I was doing an uh, interview with you for high school, uh, one of my classes, oh, I um, that, yeah. because we went to uh, uh, a me uh, Taoist meditation seminar, and I wanted to, I had to write this paper on this. And uh, I did an interview with you, and I think what you said your first introduction to Tai Chi was how you heard about it was you were dancing. And the way you yeah. in the way you were moving, someone came up to you and asked you if you did Tai Chi or, or something of that nature. Is that true? <laughs> or did, was that kind of well, made up for the story? I was trying to bring that up, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, um, that was one of the stories. There's a, uh, it's actually, there's there's a lot to that story, but um, there's, you know, the extracurricular activities where you know I used to go nightclub and I used to like to dance a lot. Um, and I still like to dance a lot. I just don't have the opportunity to do so as much with a kid now. But um, and there's a tree in Fen in the Fens in Fenway. I don't. I'm not even sure it's still there. But it's a really really old tree. It's really um, uh, thick tree. Really 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 big thick tree. But anyway, um, so I'm we're all. I was with some friends, and you know, um, we were just dancing out there in the Fens. <laughs> And, uh, you know, this tree is said to have an electrical current. They've measured the tree and they can, they can pick up a very like distinct electrical current through the tree. It's kind of like this, one of these old trees, um, that just, you know, has, has some kind of, uh, personality to it. And, uh, you know, I was dancing there and one of the guys goes, oh, do you do Tai Chi? I said, uh, no. And he said, well, you, your movements are a lot like Tai Chi. So that was one of the other things that kind of like, that was one of the signs I was talking about that kind of pushed me towards uh, getting into Tai Chi. And now um, from Tai Chi uh, through Brookline Tai Chi and um, Buddy Tripp uh, and Bill Ryan, um, I discovered uh, Bagua, Bagua Zhang, which is my main art now, and Xing Yi Chen. Um, but that was mostly due to, to Buddy. I'll give him credit on that because uh, the Brookline Tai Chi, Tai Chi, Tai Chi, Brookline Tai Chi told me that you know Xingyi was, you know, the wrong the wrong move for me. But actually, Xingyi mind forward boxing is really um, good for everyone, and the, that's what, how the Chinese would teach it. It's a it's an art that can bring you up to speed really fast. It's an art that's intended for the battlefield, so it has to be easily teachable to farmers. Um, and you know people who um, come from different part, walks of life and in about a year year and a half you can you can get some really good efficiency using these components um, for self-defense but Xingyi mind form boxing is is actually really good for building what's called your E your E is your mind and your intention mix it doesn't really translate well into English but it's kind of like your will or your intention oh. and um, this is really important if you're dealing with health issues, whether they're mental or physical, and giving you the drive and the will to kind of just focus and, and go on. Yeah, yeah that's pretty awesome. Um, so what, for the people listening at home, I don't know uh, how many people know about um, Bagua or Tai Chi, and you just kind of gave a quick summation of uh, Xing Yi. Um, can you talk a little bit about those arts? Because they're called sister arts, right? Yeah, there's, so there's three sister arts. There's Tai Chi Chuan. Uh, Bagua Zhang and Xing Yi Chen and um, they're sister arts in terms of how you know they're they actually come from different backgrounds but they're the the thing that's cohesive through them all is this idea of this meditative quality of movement and this idea of um, smoothness of movement 
and unification of the body which which is you know all all martial arts have some some form of that but um these are kind of the ideas is like graduate level martial arts you know actually uh tai chi is kind of like your master's degree or your phd and then bagua is like your master's degree and then shingi is like um your uh regular college degree so the idea is these things you can build upon them and get higher level skills uh, and also higher level meditation. So uh, we talked a little bit about the Shingi. Um, Shingi's mind uh, is my will be done. So it's really good for people nowadays who are kind of you know like society's kind of crushed a lot of people um, and especially empaths. So I, I actually recommend Shingi for empaths because it kind of builds this foundation of just this ability to protect yourself with your mind. Um, and that was a battlefield art uh, descended from Yefe, who was a famous general. Again, he had to be able to teach skills that would um, transfer translate on the battlefield, and he had to be able to teach them fast. So he was a prominent martial artist at the time, and he developed this for his officers. And then Igo Claw Kung Fu was developed for his regular soldiers. Um, so, and then you have Tai Chi. Tai Chi Chen is, um, no one knows exactly where it came from. Uh, there's different, very, you know, the history is not as important as the the concept. The concept is you do whatever you want. I'm going to hold my integrity. So again, this is another thing that's really good for people who are in the, who need some mental health or physical health because it's teaching you um, what initially is not an intuitive way of dealing with situations but can become an intuitive way through through practice and, and diligence of just holding your integrity and letting when when shit hits the fan, letting things just fall apart and not letting that affect you. Um, it also gives you the ability to kind of use people's power or their kind of ungrounded, unfoundationed power that's kind of running rampant against them if you need to, just for self-defense. And that that's in the mental and spiritual field too, right. you know, but obviously the physical field is the easiest one to see that. And then Bagua Zhang, which is, uh, the de it's designed to kind of stop inertia. It's mm -hmm. kind of to change inertia. So the idea is uh, the only thing that's constant in the universe is change. Right. Um, and that's the idea that Bagua comes from. It's like, how can I change but hold, again, very similar to Tai Chi, uh, hold my integrity. How can I change and hold my integrity? And this is really one of the um, key components to that is the single palm change, Dan Huan Zhang, which is um, the idea of changing positions. Mm. It, if you look at it from a martial arts thing, you, like you have grappling experience. So right. if we're grappling and we lock up, we're we're basing our structures against each other mm -hmm. based on our stance. And just the ability to be able to Hold the person in their stance while you change your stance um, gives you a drop on that other person. Now, from the mental or, or, or um, spiritual side or the health side that you're dealing with, because that's just the, the martial side, is it gives you this ability to kind of control inertia and use what's coming at you to the benefit of everyone. Right. So Bagua, I think, is kind of... The people who do Bagua... Also do, can do Tai Chi and Shingi, but they kind of, <laughs> Bagua is their primary focus, right. you know, and they kind of filter through the rest of them. And one of the reasons is because Bagua has kind of everything and it's like jazz. It has, it has the ability of uh, Shingi to have that, that iron will, and it has the ability of Tai Chi to be very, um, uh, very initially passive, mm -hmm. but um, holding your integrity. So in, in, in our Bagua system, the, in the Hotian system, of our Bagua, there's a lot of uh, Tai Chi components and Xingyi components okay. in the Hotian because we want to have all aspects. Bagua kind of covers everything, right. and Bagua can be everything because um, that's its that's its deal. It can change, it can adapt. Right. Okay, and that's what evolution is. So Bagua is kind of the the form of evolution, um, I, w I would say. Um, so there, there's two things before you continue. Um, um, so the first is, it sounds like Tai Chi and, and Xing Yi are not opposites, but like very different 
um, components, right? You're talking about Tai Chi's a little bit more passive, and it seems like uh, Xing Yi's a little bit more aggressive in nature. You're imposing your will. Um, and Bagua is like a good combination of those. So the first thing that kind of jumps out for me with, with Tai Chi, is, it seems very much like there. That's a good practice to 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 work on non-attachment to things, right? Um, being able to kind of be self-contained, but being able to um, navigate the world, like you were saying, when things fall apart, not being overly attached to outcomes, but being able to practice like, hey, this is happening. I'm able to kind of um, build the self so I can get through this. Um, and the second thing that comes with that, it seems like Bagua is a good combination of, of both. So when we look at communication styles or personalities, you have like an aggressive and a kind of a passive. And then it seems like Bagua is kind of an assertive personality where you're able to kind of advocate for yourself uh, and, and kind of change along with like whatever's happening. Yeah, I think that's a great, uh, a great breakdown. Yeah, I, I would say that's that's true. I, and, and so from from that aspect, you know, the the for a younger person, uh, like we're talking about empaths, like I was always told that Shingy's oh, Shingy's too, too fiery. It's mm-hmm. too fiery. It's too powerful. Like you don't want to do that. But actually, you want to balance the body. So if you're a very like I was, very kind of like uh, more passive person, kind of let people do what they want and just kind of like try to hold my integrity. I had a very Tai Chi. Uh, kind of a natural kind of Tai Chi component to like my philosophy of uh, life and mm-hmm. it, sometimes I would suffer from for that um, just because I I wouldn't be aggressive enough so I think for people who are empaths the the raw training in the Xingyi is really really important okay. and um, just because it gives that iron will and then that what one of my best workouts I used to do in Taiwan is I do you know an hour or two when I was training heavily, an hour or two of Xing Yi, and then I'd always like cap that with some Tai Chi just to like relax that away. Mm-hmm. And actually, your 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 blood's moving and everything, and tai, so so you get a really good Tai Chi workout out of that too. Um, kind of the icing on the cake. Tai Chi in and of itself is a different philosophy, and it's it's not intuitive at first, but it actually actually is intuitive. They always talk about Tai Chi as oh, Tai Chi is really good for relaxation. It's really good for balance. It's really good for all these things and the, you know the, the key component in that is like why why is tai chi so good at these things mm-hmm. is because you deliberately practice these things when you're doing tai chi mm-hmm. um and you do that in Xing and bagua as well but in, in tai chi because it's it's traditionally tra- practiced a little bit slower um so you can so you can link the gaps it's it's more apparent um and why is so why is tai chi efficient why is tai chi efficient because it's you in order to use the Tai Chi, you have to have a different mindset. And so you have to be very uh, aware of what your movements. So your movements become very efficient. Mm-hmm. So what they found is when your movements are very efficient, you're not adding tension, you're not adding stress, you're not adding a lot of um, extras to what you're doing. So right. you're not inducing stress into your system to get a workout. You know, mm-hmm. People are always like, well, you know, Tai Chi is too soft for me. And I'm like, go lower, go longer. Well, and I was like a workout. Yeah, okay. So you can change. Tai Chi is like you you want a workout, you go lower, you go longer. Right. Slower, stronger, you know. Uh, or you can go, you can go fast. And actually where Tai Chi is really useful is this ability to change speeds. Changing speeds is different when you're dealing with like it is very useful for martial arts because you can lure people in. Um, for dealing with society, changing speeds distracts them. And so when you can distract someone, their mm-hmm. initial cause, whether it's to kind of crap on you or whatever it is, their initial cause, they can lose it because their mind's not that sh- that strong. Right. Um, really, it's people who are ungrounded, uncentered. Their their mind may have the potential to be very, very strong, but usually it's not because it's very flitty. So you can use that to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what we talked about is the you're talking about passive or aggressive in how Bagua's more assertive um, which is which is a good analysis I would say but um, another thing you want to think because Xingyi has some Tai Chi components in it too right. because it needs to balance the, and that's what makes these all sisters art you have to be able to balance you can't just be very passive right mm-hmm. Why tai, one of the sayings in Tai Chi is oh the opponent moves first 
but I land first. And it's a very mystical, you know. Mm-hmm. But the actual Chinese is very, very, very simple and to the point. And, and the, the idea is like I tell the opponent where to go so I can land first. The sense, idea is yeah. you're going into this, all these arts, you go into the situation controlling the situation. And this is the first thing uh, Lo Lao Shi used to say to us all the time. He's like, you need to first control the situation. You know, we doing all these applications and we want to like throw this guy and hit this guy and kick him and stuff. And he's like, no, no, no. If, you're, if your footwork's wrong, you can't control the situation. If you can't control the situation, then everything's lost. Right. So he's like, you might have to run. You, you know, like this guy might pull a gun or a knife or something. You might have to leave. So you want to control the situation. And one one of the good a good example is this is uh, my friend uh, Leo. Uh, we had just done a class on footwork, and Leo's also done a lot of ninjutsu yeah. before. So it's not just Barbara that that helped him in the situation. He was walking home from uh, the Bagua class in Chinatown, and these two guys. One came from the front, one came from the back, and they were trying to surprise him. Right. You know, and he he walks around with a tactical flashlight, so it can be used as a, a like a, a striking thing, and also can be used uh, to blind. Hold on, um, before, before we finish the story, let's just give a shout out to Leo V. Leo V. He's he's on our board, whether he he admits it or not. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so. Basically, the the guys they were trying to sandwich him, scare him into giving up his money or whatever. It never got that far because Leo knew situational awareness, and what he did is he used his footwork to get to the outside of both of them. So basically, the assailants were facing each other. Leo's on the outside, and he had, if I remember correctly, he had positioned himself so only one of them could get to him at a time, and he had his hand on his tactical flashlight. The two guys just gave up. Right. And they left because they they were not again like we were saying like people who are ungrounded like their their e may be strong for a second but you can distract them you can throw them off that scent and so Leo doesn't have that problem his e like his e was survival he's got a kid he's got a wife and uh, he he used footwork just to get out of the situation and and control it so controlling the situation is is the most important thing because you don't know what these people are going to throw at you and I'm not just even talking about physical confrontation i'm talking about mental uh, spiritual confrontation too dealing with stuff right and that kind of goes before i get into um my next point that i wanted to talk to you about uh you can tell that martial arts is so ingrained in your movement that when you were telling that story and his hand went to his tactical flashlight your hand actually positioned right to your hip where it would be and and stay there for a while so it's just funny because the viewers can't see it but i know you so well that like when you're telling stories about martial arts you actually take that form sometimes just because it's so ingrained in your your movement i just Uh, remember leo describing the situation and that's what he did yeah that's where your sword is too um (laughs) on on a side note uh where i want to take this next part of the podcast is um ton of stuff in in the beginning and we can get dive into that a little bit more because i think some clarification on uh hotian might be really helpful too because you did mention it a, a couple times in the bagua form um but that that control thing uh with physical assailants like you said but also mental and, and spiritual it kind of brings me back to before getting into martial arts and i use this in therapy a lot with kids when i talk about like um pressure or or drama with kids or bullying um i don't know if you remember this conversation but i'm gonna bring it up because like it's resonated really well for me and it ties into what you were just talking about but i remember being in either elementary school or middle school and we had a conversation because that was when the yo mama jokes were like really prevalent not as jokes but like as like disses right uh they were like significant people were trying to break you down with your mama jokes um and we had a conversation about that and you you had mentioned (laughs) you're like um hey listen they just want a reaction from you so if you give into that reaction if they say your mama's so fat uh when she sits around the house she sits around the house or you know there's your, a bunch your, of other your, ones. Your mama's glasses are so thick when she looks into a map, she can see people waving at her. And yeah, stuff, stuff like that. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, that's not mine. That's the far side. That's the far side, yeah. Uh, but y- your point was 
they're trying to control you to react. And even if you get in a fight with them and you win the fight, they controlled you by getting you to react in that way. Mm. And so what you had told me was if you just take away that control, they flounder. Kind of like the assailants, like you were saying that they you distract them. Yeah, yeah, they're they can go really hard in that intention, and but they're not connected to anything, so they don't know what to do after that. And I think the way you said it was, hey, if they make a yo mama joke, just go with it, and then they can't follow up with it. So if they're like, oh, your your mama's so fat when she sits on a rainbow, Skittles pop out. You're like, oh, you know, yeah, it's my free mom. Skittles. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, what? I don't, I'm not sure what's the problem. With Something that. like that. You but know, even like, taking it to, so when I talk to I kids in therapy, I even say, go one further and be like, oh, that's really nice of you. Thanks for pointing out that my mom's struggling with with weight or, or getting fit. Like, oh, yeah, it so, is. So that's know. very, so that's very, that's very Tai Chi ish right there. Right. Because that's like, you know, the Xing Yi way of dealing with that is like, psh. Like you're not gonna be able to make a mom a joke after I knock you on your head. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> yeah. like the Tai Chi is kind of like, oh, I, I, I see what you gave me, and I'm gonna one up you. That's, right. That's very tai, like a Tai Chi way of dealing with that. Yeah, and it's uh, and and you know, it leaves them with nowhere to go because what are they gonna do after that? Be like, oh, your mom is so dumb. You're like, oh, you yeah. really care about my family. You're pointing out all this stuff <laughs> out we need to work on. Yeah. I appreciate you. And then, and then the the best thing that you're actually doing is because, especially like Xing Yi has this, uh, Bagua has this idea too, is like the the you're controlling inertia, but you, the idea is like you're trying to be a hero. You're mm-hmm. trying to like be, leave leave the situation better off than you were before, and that's kind of a, a more Taoist kind of philosophy. But that the idea um, is similar. So. When you when you do that, you cause them to think they're gonna think twice before they make another your mama joke towards someone else. Mm-hmm. So although you might have had the capability to deal with that situation and defend yourself, and uh, they they are gonna think twice before they use it on someone who might may not. You know, like they're right. like, oh yeah. And actually, I I would use that when I was teaching English too. You know, I take the the class clown, and I you know, and this we actually. You know, like uh, my kung fu brother Simon Finn and I used to talk about this all the time. You know, like sometimes you got to break break the person down, and mm-hmm. then, but you have to build them back up. So right. sometimes you would you would have to just kind of like go with the joke, embarrass them a little bit, and then build them back up. And the funny thing that happens then is what you've done is you showed interest in that person. Mm-hmm care in that person and most of the time that's what they're looking for they are looking for a reaction but why are they look what's the impetus of that that's the inertia right the inertia is they they want that reaction you're like well actually i see the inertia comes from this point how can i come full circle and then change that uh uh, update it to a higher frequency yeah and that's a pretty prevalent thing that you notice just across the board especially when you do like in, in my background doing therapy we always yeah, the the actions are important because you like knowing what it what's happening is really important. But you have to kind of flip it, like you were saying, and say, okay, well, we all act a certain way for some reason. We get some kind of gain out of it, or we're looking for some kind of reaction or or to accomplish something. And that's really where change happens. It's not necessarily saying, hey, this is a bad action, don't do it. You yeah. do have to set that limit, but you have to dig a little bit deeper and like, okay not just don't do it but like what are you looking for in this situation and how can we meet those needs in a different way that's Mm -hmm. more supportive so you know if you're counseling i've counseled many kids who uh engage in self-harm and you see the self-harm and you're like oh it's really negative it's like like why are you doing that that no 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 stop 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 right and you do have to set those limits but it's not a misnomer a lot of times is that they're trying to kill themselves and they're not necessarily trying to they're do trying that. to deal with something yeah well a lot of times it's numbness yeah. and so you're trying to feel something feel and something. it's 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 a really maladaptive coping skill mm-hmm. and so they're getting coping out of it but just in a negative way so you have to flip that on its head and say okay i see what you're doing you're trying to manage this really tough time so we're going to figure out what's causing this, but we're also going to give you these coping skills that aren't maladaptive. And it's going to take a while for you to go to them consistently, but we're going to build you in this direction rather than just say, no, don't do this and not give you another option. Yeah. In, in, uh, so like we're talking about interactions in school, your mama jokes, Mm -hmm. 
obviously in some way you have to defend yourself because right. you want that that you need to like show that hey that doesn't come here mm-hmm. um and you're talking about it from a in therapy situation which is i imagine is quite different and what what you have to do is like you said set the ground rules so like hey this i understand but that this is a different place this is stepping into a different place you with me here you know like and, mm-hmm. and like you can throw negative stuff at me or whatever but i'm actually here to help you so like let's it's not useful to get into all this other stuff mm-hmm. like let's let's be let's let's help you, you know? right yeah. and and changing it from it's not a bad thing it's like let's find a different way to cope let's find a different structure yeah and and that's you know honestly that's what people need and most people honestly like just just in work day and stuff people have communication issues yeah and it's like and if you could you could just take those communication issues and kind of like upgrade their communication skill um obviously you can't just upgrade one person in the family's skill you have to upgrade everyone right. um you can change a lot of things uh one of the best things let's see if i remember it when i was teaching well, i was doing before and after school programming for the air force um, and they had they had a very um, succinct pro- program for them, and actually almost better than any of the other things I encountered in college. Um, the Harvard programs were pretty good, but uh, in child development, um, one of the things they would talk about is just explaining to people. You know, if someone hits you or something, not getting mad at them. You know, like you go sit down and talk, and you're like, "Hey, Tommy, um, when you hit me." it makes me feel bad i hurt i remember this time something else happened to me please stop hitting me and you know most of the time when people especially kids when they injure another another individual they don't know that they're actually the the pain they're just acting out they're just looking for something so if you can explain to them hey you're actually you're actually kind of messing me up by doing this and this is really good for mental stuff um i think I think the world would be a better place, but we're not really taught that stuff in school. Right. And we're, you know, like family structures are very different now. And a lot of stuff is moving in different directions. There's a lot of moving parts in today's society. And, um, so that's, that's why this stuff's a lot more important, but it's, it's just not getting out there. And that's one of the things we're trying to do with the outreach program. I just give people the kind of uh, kids, the kind of, um, um, I mean, you created it, but we're trying to give kids the, the sense of self-being and, and self-worth and, and community. So Yeah, and I would say... Um, communication. We do all those games with communication. You know? Right. You yeah. can't do the game unless you communicate. So. And I think the the key thing you, you pointed to is a lot of times the message gets lost in how we communicate. So if I come at you and I'm very harsh in how we start something up and say, you always blah, blah, blah. uh, You're not going to sit there and be like, oh, let me hear the message that Steve's trying to tell me. You're going to have that initial like response of, oh, he's coming at me really harsh. I'm going to be defensive and I'm going to have to raise up to kind of make my point. And then when when you're constantly raising up like that, you can't hear the clear message of where I was coming from was not that part of it was that you always do this. But what motivated me to talk to you was I feel this way when that happens. And so a lot of it's like you versus I statements. So instead of saying you always say I feel this way. How can we fix that? Like in having a negotiation like conversation around it is really helpful. We do I do this a lot in like couples therapy yeah. as well too. I imagine. Um, but it's something that simple that we don't take the time to stop and think. And you're right. Like you, we don't live in a, a a small bubble. So like when we work on communication hey, if you teach me how to communicate, but I'm the only one who's doing it in the family, that's not going to go anywhere because at some point I'm going to be like, well, this isn't working, so I'm just going to go back to the way I was communicating. And you see this a lot is in any field when like if you're teaching uh, education, if it's therapy, if it's just social skills building or, or group kind of mentalities, if someone's singled out as the catalyst for why there's stress or tension at home and it's only on them to 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 make a change that change isn't going to happen yeah that person might learn those skills and maybe 
once they get out of that environment can really flourish and, and do that. But I have plenty of people who come in and parents and are like, this is for them. And I, I never see them again yeah. unless something happens or they'll call me in a panic saying, oh, well, we just got in a blowout. Can we come in right now? Uh, and unfortunately, I have to say, well, you can't come in right now, but we'll get you in as soon as we can. Uh, and I think it speaks to the bigger issue of, of stigma with mental health specifically is that, oh, you have the problem. You yeah. go here to work on it and then we're done when it's re there's a couple things to that one it's not a problem it's just a sticky spot in, in growing or evolving right um two it's not just the onus isn't just not on the individual it's on the, the people connected to that individual. that's the inertia you know that's the inertia it's like they they may have had just an inkling and then this happened at home and boom now something's moving in a direction and it's gonna be hard to stop especially if like you keep feeding that fire you know Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely something that 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 needs to needs to change in today's society. It's getting worse because, like I said, there's a, too many moving parts. It's like, how do you hold your course? You know, and um, it's 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 a struggle. You know, really. And uh, talking about the different things in families and even that like it could be something at work that's driving one of the parents mad and they come home and they're just not listening to their kid or something you know like it's it happens and um being able to kind of do something about that or have some foundation to go back to is kind of what shingi bagua tai chi are about now because you're not out there fighting battles on the battlefield but you you are fighting battles on social media or you are fighting battles dealing with your boss or whatever yeah. you know like and so it's it becomes important. Um, That's a really good point because uh, what you were talking about earlier about doing the training in uh, Xingyi and then finishing with Tai Chi, uh, it brought up this idea, uh, this thought that I was having about the nervous system, right? Mm -hmm. And how those arts are really keying into different parts of your nervous system while, while you're doing it and kind of affecting them in different ways, right? So... You know, I don't know too much about the arts, but Xingyi really seems like it's more of a uh, fight or flight kind of sympathetic nervous system response, whereas Tai Chi is more of like what we call a parasympathetic, but more specifically um, ventral vagal uh, reaction of calmness and connectedness. Mm -hmm. um, and just what you were saying about, hey, we're not necessarily on the battlefield all the time which is where these evolved but we're, we're all fighting different battles i think that's really significant because if we look at our nervous system it hasn't changed too much since back when we were fighting saber-toothed tigers and yeah, killing woolly mammoths and so our stressors are now different right your boss or school or, or social media these are our, uh, now kind of activating different parts of our nervous system and we aren't doing anything to regulate those. We're constantly in that place of, of either fight or flight or freeze, which is, is depression. Um, and we have to do something to kind of shift between those parts of our nervous system, which is, you know, yeah, kind of how back in the day you're running from a saber tooth tiger, you're in that fight or flight mode, and then you get safe and you re-regulate to that calmness. But we're, more and more we're just getting stuck in that fight or flight mode and then and downgrading into shut down depressed mode and then cycling back to fight or flight and then uh, and, and what you say about is very very i think is very true about the Xingyi and and tai chi in general and and in these arts you have what's called this you want you want to um the fire water inversion or fire water flip mm -hmm. and and the idea is, you know, back in the days, you're going to be talking to some farmer trying to help him out as a, a Chinese medicine practitioner. You're going to be trying to explain these theories. You're going to be like, well, the parasympathetic and the, they're going to be like, what are you talking about? Right. So the idea is this fire water pivot. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the upper body is more CNS. Uh, and it's designed, so you want to call that fire because, you know, like we all know, like burnout comes from like doing too much with the central nervous system, yep. uh, other things too. But, and then the lower body is water. Okay. So, and this is how it exists in most people. Okay. But the, the problem is a lot of times the water won't be enough to quench the fire. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, <clears throat> so we want to look for a cultivation effect, which, which does something different. 
So what they do is they want you through these arts, and these are, this is like higher level stuff, you want to be able to flip the water so the water is like in a cauldron mm-hmm. and the fire is underneath it. Now you're creating something. You're cultivating this. You're boiling the water, mm-hmm. okay? And then the water can kind of calm down the rest of the body. The steam can kind of like put out the fire in the rest of the body. So the central nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system need to harmonize. If you burn out the central nervous system, the parasympathetic nervous system has to do a lot more work, put out more hormones, all mm-hmm. this stuff, just to kind of like quench that fire. Right. And then it's taxed. Now the central nervous system is like it's not getting the resources it needs. Right. And you get into this downward spiral. And same thing with people whose uh, parasympathetic nervous system are over overtaxed or, or putting out more and they tend to be kind of like more sluggish because the central nervous system is trying you know trying it, it wastes it wastes a lot of energy trying to get that that going right so the idea is this this pivot this uh, fire water pivot where you can uh, transition into a cultivation mode um, and so that gives you kind of an energy uh, I, I think it's not it's not really this but it gives you this energy store this well to like pull from when you get stressed or mm. when you know life is hitting you from all sides so i i think that's what, what you're saying is really important for people because it's hard for people to understand you know the endocrine system and the central nervous system and how they operate but the balance is key and we talked about this before the breathing is really really useful inhaling exhaling and then you want the kind of pause not holding the breath but the pause in between that because right. that gives you a, like a period of kind of like reset between Mm -hmm. the inhale and exhale if your inhale is really really strong and your exhale is weak you know you're you know and they could change during the day but you're 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 most likely more passive and if your exhale is really really strong but your inhale is weak you're most likely more aggressive so if 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 your exhale is really strong your inhale is really weak you're probably taxing the central nervous system a little bit too Mm -hmm. much and the endocrine system is always trying to the parasympathetic nervous system trying to keep up and then if you um do it the other way you're taxing the endocrine system i think and then the central nervous system is trying to keep up so um what you want to do is regulate the breath so say i can take a you, you just want to take an assessment in my inhale pause exhale say that's like two seconds right uh say the inhale is stronger than the exhale or vice versa whatever one's stronger say it takes three seconds mm-hmm. and the other one takes two i want to take the stronger one and back off and make them both two and then together right no bre- no no breath left behind i want to bring both of them up to three and build that way because it's going to be different d- different times of the day people who are passive in the night might be active during the day so you you want to be able to take that assessment and breathing is one of the few things that is automatic but it's also something we can control that happens in our body um, so that's a very useful tool and my teacher Lolausha, he'd always talk about like you can use the breath as your teacher mm-hmm. so he's like how, how does a breath happen when you can regulate the breath your breath becomes a teacher and meditation is very useful for people but most people don't never get past the breath phase which is okay because just sitting quietly is a, a prerequisite for meditation but right. um, what needs to happen is there's other things that happen in meditation this fire water pivot there's all this other stuff that you can do to cultivate vibrant health um, and unfortunately most people nowadays it's just sitting quiet is you know enough but you then you want to regulate the breath you want to build the mind by counting reps you know and this is what the buddhists do with the bees mm-hmm. you know and they and they build these reps it's building the mind so that when you get into the meditation the higher meditation uh places you can do the work that needs to happen and people right. always talk about well, so you got to sink your chi well sinking your chi is hard and uh, my teacher always talk about no you just sink the emotions right. you're not you're not looking at the emotions like they're bad things you know, like everyone's like get rid of your emotions do this it's yeah. not going to work because your emotions are a part of how you respond to the environment internally or externally but if you can relax the emotions so they don't interfere with what you're doing right. then you can actually accomplish some some pretty good stuff with meditation and these arts bagua tai chi shingi have a meditation component right in fact my teacher sometimes he'll get people who come for specifically to the class for meditation he's like well you need to you need to do the bagua class and then i'll you know like i'll throw in some stuff for meditation for you and they're like well i just want meditation he's like well the problem is your movement is not strong enough 
to get you where you need to. Right. right. Like Damo, when he came and he saw the, the Shaolin monks or the, the, the Buddhist monks, they were so focused on meditation, their bodies were deteriorating. So how can your, your if your body's deteriorating, how can your mental uh, increase? And so uh, this is kind of one of the philosophies and we do so like moving, meditation, walking and stuff. And that actually builds a really good foundation. Mm-hmm. So even just walking and meditating, focusing on your breath and then trying to like get to the next level is really helpful for people because it's a, it's a natural reset and it's something you have control. No one can control that on you. Right. You know, like there's there's tales of people who even in prison, you know, like they get thrown in solitary and most people come out crazy. Other people come out more powerful. And this is very rare, but they use that time to cultivate themselves. Right. So. So. I, I we're talking about so much, so yeah. we'll probably have to do another podcast with with you coming back to talk talk more about it but uh um i'm like taking notes in my head about what i want to talk about because i don't want to interrupt you <laughs> because oh, yeah, we're, we're going no, on I'm like doing the same thing a, yeah. a nice um i feel like we've already missed a couple things yeah that, uh we well went out to well first i want to say you've heard it here first we're going to trademark the no breath left behind uh <laughs> if you guys are interested hit us up we'll make some t-shirts uh <laughs> Because it's true, though, that yeah. it's a it's a really that's a really pertinent thing about meditation is, and there's so much. So we're probably like you're saying we're we're missing out on some key points. But I I do want to go back to that because I think moving meditation is really important. People don't understand that that's a thing, and I do a lot of that when I'm working with kids because to have them sit and try to meditate, it's not going to work. We work on a lot of mindful movements and, and focus of that nature. But I also think what you're saying is about sitting down to meditate. A lot of people don't get past that because they get to a point where, oh, my, my emotions are all over the place. Or, oh, or they I can't. fall asleep. Yeah. Right. Or they, they either fall asleep or they give up because like, oh, I can't do this. This is too hard. They get two minutes in and they're like, I can't meditate. And what I like to talk to people about is that's meditation, right? Like that's those are the first steps of meditation. You have to follow through. It's a skill that you're building. It's not just inherent that you're you can sit for fifty minutes under. Yeah. It's a skill you're building, yeah. And, uh, and, and a tree and meditate for that. Yeah. And, and people get that impetus and they're like, boom, I'm gonna do an hour a day. And it's like if you don't have something that you do an hour a day, like yeah. you're not gonna be able to meditate for an hour a day. Like it's just not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. So you need something that you do an hour a day, whether even if it's running. You know, right. like something that builds the body. One of the interesting things is um, one of my Kung Fu brothers, uh, Marcus Brinkman, he would talk about this this idea about, um, and and actually Matt Autry mm-hmm. uh, would talk about these these ideas of how to, how to help a person along in the Chinese medicine system. And um, I would ask my teacher about it and he's like, man, I need like two months. But essentially the, the thing is like, you, so you have someone who like a lot of actors mm-hmm. uh, in Taiwan who live in the mountains and they always see ghosts, right? They're seeing ghosts, they're seeing demons, they're like having weird interactions, they're losing to, to demons or things are happening. And this happens a lot. And so initially you think like, well, I need to teach them meditation. And this is what I would, I would think. I'm like, all right, they need to like focus their mind, yeah. But actually, the reverse is true. The and it's very significant. You know, when I asked my t- my teacher Lolausha about it, he's like, well, "You have to build the body because the mind's not strong enough. That's why you're seeing ghosts and stuff like that. Right. It's not whether ghosts exist or they don't. It's that it's affecting you, right? Right. It's like you know, like uh, side story. My my teacher would meditate a lot. He was, on, on one kick, he was meditating for a long time and he would see demons or see ghosts or something in a cave and uh, and he just let it pass. These are just, usually it's stuff that's inside you that you're clearing out. And people, mm-hmm. Other times people meditate, I see purple rainbows and, you know, this is actually a blockage. You're cleaning out a blockage and that's good. But like, you don't, trying to say you have some mystical power to see things is not helpful. It's not beneficial because actually you want to be very clear. Mm-hmm. If everything's clear, that's good. That means you're burning through a lot of stuff. And, you know, we all have a long way to go. Um, but back to that, the you want to get people in their body. And the problem is that people, people need to do the training. Right? Right. Like I said, if you want to meditate for an hour a day, if you, there's nothing you've done for an hour a day in a while or consistently, like you're going to have trouble meditating. Because right. like how many people do something straight for an hour a day anymore? Right? You know, right. Like, so you want to practice, okay? whether it's yoga 
Tai Chi, Bagua, Qigong, mm. even meditation, and you want to build that practice. And right. five minutes a day is a good start. It becomes 10 minutes a day. Right. It yeah. becomes 15 minutes a day. And then, you know, it can go up to, you know, like eight hours a day, right? Yeah. And then eventually you want it to be like the, the practice becomes your life. But um, it's re- really interesting because these people who practice hard and train hard and they've done like six, eight hour days and four hours of standing meditation. At a certain point, they don't need all that anymore. They can do the same thing in like 15, 20 minutes. Right. And that's what you want. You know, you want you. It's like it's like the pull up challenge, 100 pull ups in 35 minutes and you break it down to under 20 and you can do it now in what, 15 or something? Yeah, I think the last time I did it was like 13 minutes. No, oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Excuse hey, me. two minutes is a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, it is in pull-ups. Yeah. But it's the same idea. You build it up. So now it's like, well, I don't need 35 minutes to do 100 pull-ups. I get the same benefit in 13 minutes right. of doing it. So and it's this building is, the body. Yeah, and that's the body. And the body and the mind are, you know, they're not separate things. You know, they they work together. And, that's, and so you can do that. And that will to go out and do that. Boom, boom, boom. Is, is really important and that'll that'll kind of like strengthen your mind so if your body's not strong enough to do it you're gonna have trouble doing it if your mind's not strong enough to do it you have trouble doing it. so where do you start you start getting into the body yeah. whether it's running or exercise or aerobics or something you know it doesn't have to be tai chi shingi bagua the, the benefit of those arts is that they teach that in there you know right. whereas it's like running brain. might not teach mindfulness but it could empower mindfulness you know these arts teach mindfulness not separate you know, they kind of, uh, one of my, one of my friends, um, Kung Fu brothers, Simon, he would always say it's like, like Bagua ticks, it ticks all the boxes, but it doesn't fill all the boxes up. It's kind of exists in this nowhere land where it encompasses all things, but it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it doesn't master just one direction. It kind of right. encompasses all, all eight directions. So. Yeah. Um, again, 80 million follow-up questions so yeah. we're, we're, we'll have to plan this out but um before before we go because we're running short on some time i yeah. did want to uh, something just occurred to me when we were talking about like building the body and it's an interesting i'm not going to go out and say that it's a direct correlation or causation or whatever you want to call it scientifically but um in talking about building the body i was reminded about this interesting study i read of how when you're talking about processing information and, and picking up on information and, and like really, you know, that idea of like oh, listening to your gut or intuition, uh, everyone is like, oh, that's your brain. That's your brain. Right. Like that's our, that's our hub of computer processing. That's that's where everything happens. Uh, that's where emotions are, which, you know, there's a whole nother conversation that emotions aren't they don't just reside in the brain. They travel up throughout your body. Um but the interesting statistic that I read was that when we're talking about all this information that we're taking in, only 20% of it is is brain specific. The other 80% is your nervous system taking in the information, cueing your body as to what's going yeah, on, which is, which is why, you know, that gut instinct is, is like, hey, I'm walking down this alley. I feel like it's not safe. I don't have anything to that I can give word to of why I'm just not going to go. And then five minutes later you see someone come out of behind like a dumpster and you're like, Oh, I averted this. And, and that's not your brain saying, Hey, don't do this. It's, it's your nervous system picking up on cueing of your environment. And so I don't know if it's directly related, but if you're building your body and enhancing your nervous system that way, like you're strengthening like 80% of that, as opposed to just working on the mind, which is 20%. Uh, you become stronger in that sense. So again, you know, I don't have any scientific data to do that, but it's, it's an interesting point that kind of connects to what, what you were talking about. Hey, you're strengthening that, that conduit between your intuition and, and yourself. And the, um, when your body, the interesting thing that happens with this stuff is when you, the more you train, the more your body likes it and mm-hmm. it likes to move like that. And it likes to do things like that. And, as long as you're you're aware of what you're doing, right. because because your body wants to be aware now, whereas sometimes it doesn't want to be aware of that pain in my shoulder or whatever, you know, like when you're aware of what you're doing, you're also aware of your environment and your intuition. Uh, like my intuition, you want your this idea. Of my intuition tests everything because mm-hmm. oftentimes we'll have hindsight. Like uh, you know, my gut told me that, but I you know, like my heart wanted this, and now right. I'm now I'm 
you know, down and out because of this. But if you have this philosophy of my intuition testing everything, um, I call it might, um, it will, it will might kind of something to, something to process through, you know, a filter to filter through is like, well, you know, what does my intuition say about this? You Mm -hmm. know, like, and obviously you want to be able to respond fluidly, but sometimes, you know, like, is that going to be helpful? Is mm-hmm. the uh, is that going to be helpful in the long run? Is uh, am I going to be doing this detrimental effect? Do I see myself doing it when I'm 50, 60 years old? Right. Well, no, I don't, because that's not going to be useful to me. You know, right now I'm using this whatever for coping skills, or you know, like do I see myself you know, whether it's drugs or cutting yourself or something? Do do you want to be doing that when you're 65? You know, like and it's like oh, I can't fathom that. Okay, we'll drop it now. You know, like and use that as kind of like a filter to kind of like push yourself in the right direction all right so there's definitely going to be a part two maybe we can bring caitlin on and the three of us can kind of expand a little bit well when we interview you that'll be almost like a part two too good point so that should should be coming up at some point but um so i like to end these podcasts with two questions and if you listen to caitlin's uh you probably know what they are but the first is if you could have any superpower what would it be and why and then the second will be well. I'll get to the second one. Well, what, what is second. the second one? Because I I was confused. And okay, so the podcast. If what, it, which one was which? So they're similar. Well, it's because Caitlin kind of answered in a weird way. She had a very valid well, she answer. Never, she never answered she, in a weird way at all. She preferenced it a certain way. Uh, man, we made it almost an hour without referencing ham time. I'm I'm really impressed with it. <laughs> um, so. So the second question is, what is your superpower in the day-to-day real oh, life? So it's like what you what you already have versus right. what you would wish. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the first question is, uh, what superpower would you would you have? Um, do you want? I would say it's you know like it, in today's day and age, you know, it's not as cool as you know Iron Man's suit or which is not a superpower actually. It's a master masterfulness of mind. But I'll get to that. Um, but something, something like compassion is, is a superpower, I, I feel. I always struggle with it because sometimes I feel like when I'm being compassionate towards an individual, I'm doing it because I need to be compassionate versus is it genuine or not. Right. And that's a, that's a big struggle with me for compassion. You know, like I, I really got into the, this idea of, and it's different than mercy. You know, mercy is like you're coming from a position of power. Right. You know? Uh, compassion is is similar but it's you know like you, it's i think underlying it it needs to be you just do it mm-hmm. you know and uh you do it because you would want someone to do it to you in the same situation um when i was in taiwan i was i was really big into uh guan yin which is the goddess of compassion mm-hmm. and as as you know and um so it's always been a struggle with me. So I think my superpower would be compassion if I could, if I could do it, you know. Yeah. But you know, like just drive on the Massachusetts roads and practice compassion. <laughs> good luck, you know, on the highways with the potholes and the crazy drivers. Yeah, good luck with that. But that's what I would I would want for myself, and I'd want for my family because um, I think that's one of the hardest things to do, yeah. you know. And if you have compassion, I feel like you you if you're genuinely compassionate. I think that that reciprocates towards you, and so you'll you'll have a better life. Well, I mean, the interesting point too is it is a practice, right? So it's it's not just this inherent compassion that extends to everything. It's it's something you got to cultivate and something that you have to mm, continue to practice. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, question two: What? So so you did the opposite of Caitlin. So Caitlin, when she did it, like she created, she had the superpower in like the world of Marvel or DC or image. And she's like, Oh, this is what it'd be. And then when she answered what she does have, she, she talked about emotional teleportation, um, (laughs) (laughs) which is, it makes sense. Like when she described it, that like when she's needed, she's there for someone. So she's able to like get there. And my wife has that too. She emotionally teleports her anger on me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, Dora. Uh, so, I'm just kidding. Uh, just so I'm just trying to be cognizant of time. So the last question is, is yeah. what superpower do you uh, have? Well, well, and I am going to kind of switch it back and forth a little bit here. But the, the you know, obviously I want compassion to be my superpower. That's my goal. So I try to cultivate that a little bit. 
you know, I used to do, I used to be much better at it. But anyway, um, I always, if we want to look at the Marvel DC world, I always responded mostly to people who didn't get bitten by spiders, um, who didn't, you know, gamma radiation or whatever, uh, you know, hoax cool. They're all cool, but I, I responded mostly to people who like Tony Stark, who initially used his mind mm -hmm. to create a suit or right. iron fist who doesn't have a superpower he cultivated himself or shang chi who's a master of kung fu and that's what i always kind of like lean towards and i think that um again because it's a practice to gain that i think that's something that um i have in a little bit and i obviously need to increase that more but kind of moving in that direction is is my superpower i would say Good answer. I like that. Yeah, you and Caitlin can't just answer a simple question. <laughs> I like it, though. Uh, all right, so Marcus, I just wanted to thank you for coming on. It was an honor, as always, to sit and talk to, to you. Yeah. Uh, I like that we get to do it. We don't get to do it as much as we used to. Yeah, uh, it's just an excuse to get to have coffee with my brother. <laughs> uh, I hope you all get, got something from it. <laughs> any last words before we end? Um for the people out there struggling um and it doesn't have to be a big struggle it could be like a day-to-day -day -day grind or you know like you want to be some some place you aren't yet you aren't yet that's important you're not there yet you know just keep pushing you move in the direct the right direction a phrase we always talk about and and actually use for martial arts in, in bagua is you know keep walking keep walking you know keep moving keep uh you know, those people who are trying to hit you as a target, you're harder to hit if you're moving. And if you keep moving, you're going to outpace them, outdistance them, and you're going to be somewhere else. So uh, just keep walking, I guess. Walk that path. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you're interested in being a guest, please send us an email at info at theprometheanproject.org. If you're interested in getting more information, you can hit us up at that same email or visit our website, www.theprometheanproject.org. If you like what you, you're hearing, please feel free to uh, give us a five-star review or do any kind of review that you feel is necessary. And um, hit that like, hit that share, let people know what we're doing. And as always, the most important step in any journey is the next one. We'll see you next time on Break the Chains, Find Your Flame.